Today, I, I want to talk to you about good news, good news, and uh, good news that'll just change your life, um, and, and that's really the focus of today. I, I want to tell you the good news is that Apple uh, Computers is going to come out with the iPhone 27, <laughs> and that phone is going to do everything for you. It'll even think for you. Uh, and which would be a huge blessing because most of us here aren't very good thinkers. Um, our thinkers broke, and so it's going to come in a phone. Uh, or maybe I could say it this way. Maybe I could say, I- I've got good news for you. Uh, the Cubs are going to win the World Series this year. That was for you, Ron. That was for you. Uh, or insert your favorite team, the Dodgers or the Red Sox. I see some Red Sox fans in the back. Um, or maybe it's another sport uh, that you love. Maybe it's football or, or basketball. And I'd say, I got good news for you. They're going to win this year. They're going to win it all. Or maybe for you, you say, well, those things are pretty frivolous. Those aren't very important things. Uh, what if I said I had good news for you that uh, we found the cure for your cancer? Or the cancer of your loved one. That, that would be a big deal, wouldn't it? And you say, well, that is good news. Maybe it's something else, some kind of financial news that your bank will be open this next week. Uh, and you can even get your money out of it. Sorry to bring it up on a great Easter like this, you know. Uh, good news. And, and I share these things with you. I, I present them to you. I tried to suck you in through my intro Uh, Good news, Uh, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the good news of Jesus Christ. And really, it's only good news if you've accepted Jesus Christ. It's almost even bad news if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ because it means that you're on the outside of what it is to be saved eternal life. But I want to tell you, you don't have to. You don't have to. And that's what today is all about, telling the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you turn in your Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter 28, and uh, we're going to read Matthew's account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, um, I'd like to read to you from chapter 28 and verses 1 through 10. God's word says this, chapter 28, verse 1. Now, and after the Sabbath... Uh, Toward the dawn of the first day of the week, uh, Mary Magdalene and and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, uh, there was a great earthquake, uh, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, uh, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Verse 6, he is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. and, And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Verse 8. 
so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. God, I ask your blessing on your word this morning as we gather that you would change our hearts, that you would cause us to trust you more for some to trust the first time. God, do your work. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In, in verse chapter 28, verse 1, you see a time stamp. You see that, that, that stamp of this is when it was. And, and we see, what is it? Verse 1 says, now after the Sabbath, Sabbath is done, toward the dawn of the first day of the week. It's our picture of celebrating, even on Sunday, that this was the time where Jesus rose from the dead. And so we, we also see, it goes on, Matthew writes who was kind of there, who was in this picture, in this scene, if you will. And it's Mary, Mary, Angel, and the guards. That's who was there. And so we'll go through those real briefly. He, he first says this, he says, uh, middle of verse one, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary uh, went to see the tomb. And uh, what you can gather from that is there were a lot of Marys. There were a lot of Marys. There were a lot of ladies named Mary. In fact, in the Gospels, I think there are six of them, six different Marys, and so much so that uh, Matthew identifies Mary Magdalene, but then he says, and then the other Mary, right? And the other Mary, right? Um, This is my brother Daryl, and this is my other brother Daryl. But (laughs) I shouldn't have said that. Mary and, and the other Mary. And th- these are the two that are shown and Matthew writes about their conversation, uh, their time at the tomb. And they, as they went to the tomb, they were going early in the morning, uh, they were going uh, to see about the body. Um, Jesus was in some ways hurriedly placed in the tomb uh, because of the Sabbath. And then he was uh, meant to, the ladies wanted to go and anoint his body for a final burial. And so that's why they were going. That's why they were heading to the tomb. Verse 2 says this, And behold, uh, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. You see an earthquake there. If you look through the scriptures, you realize that earthquakes uh, are uh, a tip-off that God is working, that he is angry, that he is doing something. And this was to announce the angel's appearance, that there was an earthquake upon his arrival, uh, which is kind of funny to think of. Most of you live in Southern California. And so maybe when you feel that next earthquake, you would ask the question, what, what is God doing? Uh, most of the time, I just think he's mad at what we're doing here. I don't know. Um, but this picture here, the earthquake coming, the angel uh, happening upon them, and the angel rolling back the, the uh, stone. And if you look back to chapter 27, you could see that the stone was placed there as a ceiling to the, the tomb. And undoubtedly, the ladies would have wondered, even in their own minds, uh, we can go to the tomb, but what is going to happen to the stone? 
And so we see that the, the angel rolls back the stone and he sits upon it. Continue on in, in verse 3, it, it speaks of the angel's appearance and it says, his appearance was like lightning and his cloth, clothing white as snow. Verse 4, and for fear of him, the angel, the guards trembled and became like dead men. You get this picture, and, and you say, well, why were the guards there? If you look back to chapter 27, the guards were there because the religious leaders were fearing, I want to say this, they were fearing the resurrection. They were fearing, uh, and so they thought a few guards was going to stop the resurrection. Oh, that was a good idea. You know, that's kind of the way we do it. Oh, I'm going to stop God from doing what he's going to do. You know, I'll put some guards out there, big, strong ones. Um, and so he, they placed these guards there, and, and the chief priests had other ideas. They said, oh, they're going to steal the body and claim that he had risen from the dead. And I, I just want to point this one thing out. Even the religious leaders who didn't believe in Jesus knew this was coming. They, were, they knew that there was the three-day time period, and they said, we know it's coming. We've got we to gotta prepare for these three days. They knew it was coming. So the religious leaders posted these guards. But these guards, it says in verse 4, fearing the angel and trembling, they became like dead men. And we don't really know like, how it, it may, the earthquake itself may have knocked them out. The presence of the angel may have knocked them out. And when they came to, I think they, you know, maybe I can picture them kind of doing the little sibling thing. You know what the little sibling thing is? If you have older siblings, just, just act like you're dead here. Maybe they'll leave you alone. You know, uh, fearful. And, and what you see here is this, those guards, those same guards that were probably bored to tears watching the tomb do nothing, right? You're to guard the tomb. Okay, I'm supposed to guard the dead man his tomb, but there's this monstrous rock there that people can't, like, this is what we're, yeah, just guard it, okay. <laughs> there's staring, watch this rock, what's it going to do, <laughs> you know, uh, that's what these were, and so it went from boredom to deathly fear, so much so that probably passed out, you know, fearful, and then kind of when it came to, they took off and they scattered, fearing the story of what had just happened. I don't know what happened. There was like an angel there and there were these ladies and an empty tomb and like this earthquake. And what a great story, right? Most of my job has been very boring up to this point. That was the guards. That's what the scene was. Which brings us to verse 5, where he, he rose. He rose from the dead. But the angel said to the women, he said, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. And as the angel comes and, and shares with the ladies, he tells them the story, what has gone on. You're, you're looking for the, that man, Jesus, the special man, the one that was crucified, that's who you come for. And they're, they're like, wow, he knew. he knew. He knew what we were coming for. Verse 6, and there it says, The angel said to them, He is not here, for he has risen. 
as he said. He is not here. He is not here. They came to see Jesus, or at least his body, and the angel pronounces to them, he's not here. Why is he not here? Because he has risen, as he said. And then the angel doesn't just tell them the news, but he says, I, I want to show you the proof. And I, wa- I want to say the proof, it's not so much the proof of the resurrection. Um, but, but I'll get into that later. But, but what he says is this. He says, come see where the place where he lay. And, and it's as if the angel points to it and he says, this is where they laid him. And he's not there anymore. He's not there. And I, I want to tell you that, that that is not necessarily the proof of the resurrection. By the way, if he didn't rise from the dead, the angel rolls the stone away and the angel says, look, that's where he is. <laughs> that would have been proof that the resurrection didn't happen, right? And by the way, when something dies, where does it stay? Where it's late, unless somebody moves it, right? And so Jesus, if he would have died and, and not risen from the dead, he would have been there, right? Especially the, the stone thing, right? And so the angel rolls away the stone, shows him. Some people wonder, you know, why did the, and I, you can picture the kids. I thought that was a great answer. You know, why did Jesus die? Because he was old, you know. <laughs> Seemed logical, like, you know. I don't know which one of your kids said that, but sometimes the nuts don't fall far from the tree. Um, I don't know who that was. I'm going to get hate hate this week from that. Um, what was I talking about? The resurrection. Yes. Uh, I, I want you to get this. I want you to get this, that this is a, a piece of the puzzle. The angel says, he's not here. He's not here. He's risen. You can see it. Some people believe that, uh, you know, that why, why did the, you know, this is the little kid thing. Why did the angel roll away the stone? So to let Jesus out. It wasn't to let Jesus out. It was to let the ladies see that he wasn't there. And uh, what, as he rose, as he rose, as they saw that he was not there. Verse 7, he says, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And, and, and I, I think it's interesting that you see this word quickly, quickly, quickly. And, and why is it quickly? But by the way, um, you know, m- most of you have been kids before. And uh, your mom or dad says, I want you to do this quickly. And most of the time in our stubbornness, what do we do when somebody says to go fast? I will get to that. I want you to quickly uh, clean your room. Me too. Me too. That's an interesting concept you just brought up there about quickly. Most of the time we, when we are told to do something, it's a slow walk, right? It's, it's this idea that we are, are saying, I'm going to play it cool. I'm going to play it cool. But, but the issue of quickly here is this. That this news is so amazing and exciting and important it's compelling. It's compelling. It, it causes the angels to say, go do it quickly. And, and you'll see later that they did it quickly, that they were quick about it. They ran. And you say, oh, I don't run. 
I don't run. I'm, my days of running are over, right? I, I want to tell you this was so exciting that adults were running quickly, desiring to tell because the angel had told them so. And he says this, uh, the angel says at the end of verse seven, he says, there you will see him. There you will see him. I want to tell you, that's, that's the important piece, right? The empty tomb is, is a piece, but that important piece is to see the resurrected Jesus, to see him. After the tomb, uh, verse 8, it says, So they departed quickly from the tomb, and with fear and great joy they ran to tell his disciples. These ladies, feeling excitedly crazy, right, called, called for quickness. They did as the angel said, and they ran. And there's this thing where we can keep it together, but they were excited, both fearful and joyful as they ran to tell the other disciples. And in the midst of them going, verse nine, it says, and behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. What an amazing day that must, like the interaction. They'd just seen the angel. They'd just seen the empty tomb. They were running back. And now Jesus meets them, greetings. And their response to him is beautiful. It says, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. You know why? Because that's what you do when you meet Jesus. That's what you would do with the resurrected Jesus. Um, They they met the resurrected Jesus. And verse 10, he says to them, as they worshiped him, uh, Jesus says to them, do not be afraid. Go, Go and tell my brothers, go to Galilee and there they will see me. They will see me. And so after this excited, crazy running and quickness, they saw the resurrected Jesus. They worshiped him, and now they were off again running, going to share this with his disciples. Well, I want to talk to you about the resurrection, just a little bit about the resurrection and one other point. So two, two more points, and just to help you get a picture and importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As you look through the New Testament, as you see the stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they talk about different aspects of the resurrection. It's mostly that it happened, that it happened, that the resurrection happened. And some of you are sitting here today going, I don't know, that's kind of a wild story, wild story. And I will grant you that, that uh, resurrections are not one in a hundred, right? We don't see resurrections every day, and nor had Mary and Mary ever seen resurrections. Like, like this was not the, the norm for them, nor the disciples. It was one of the wildest of all the miracles. But, but do not, do not, because uh, you won't do this with other things too, do not limit what is true by what you can understand. Don't do it. Don't do it. Some of your engineer types, and you said, I don't believe in anything. I can't put a calculator on and draw you a diagram and tell you exactly how it works. Yes, you do. All the time. There's plenty of things you don't understand. You may be able to uh, build a rocket ship or something like that. There are plenty of other things you don't know how they work. 
And yet you can see that they work. And, and as we look at this, I, I want to tell you, can the, the one who made something out of nothing, can the one who uh, was in charge of the weather, in charge of the people, in charge of birth and life, and the one who was in charge of food, and the one who was working out his plan, have a plan of his son Jesus, could he not also raise him from the dead? And I want to tell you, as we, we look at this, the proof is that there was an empty tomb, but the greater proof is that they saw the resurrected Jesus. If you look, we're not going to look at it this morning, but one of the great resurrection passages is First Corinthians 15, where it says there were a bunch of people who saw, who saw the resurrected Jesus. And you say, well, I didn't see him. I want to tell you, just because you didn't see him doesn't mean he didn't exist. Careful with your logic there. You're thinking you have a scientific mind and it's really just a limited mind. Um, Forgive me for being the one to tell it to you on a nice day like today. The resurrection. And and many of you were here uh, Friday night where we celebrated uh, the uh, Good Friday and and we, we kind of celebrate. Sometimes in the Passion Week, we say, well, it's this day and this day and this day, and this is what happened on this day. And we, there are different days. And I want to tell you that the, the good news of the gospel is encapsulated not just in one day or another or in separate days, but the idea that the events work together. The Friday where he gave his life and the Sunday of the resurrection to think of them as uh, the good news of the gospel. Friday, he paid for my sins. He, he took the penalty. And Sunday, I want you to see this in Romans chapter 4, uh, verses 22 through 25. And some of you remember, we are, we're going through the book of Romans here at Bear Valley Church, and I'd love for you to jump into our study. We're going to be uh, hitting it again next week and uh, back into it. But this is a, a portion we looked at a w- while back. But Romans chapter 4, verse 25 says, or 22 says this. That is why his faith, and this is speaking of Abraham of the Old Testament, that Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness or reckoned to him as righteousness. Uh, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words... It was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours, ours also. Uh, it will be counted to us who believe in him who, ra- who was raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up, listen to this, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Okay? You see the, the first part there? Delivered up for our trespasses, that he was the one to pay the penalty, to pay the penalty, and then uh, us receiving justification because of the the raising of his life from the dead. And and I want to say it this way, because I think it's the way it should be understood, uh, understood. God is angry towards sin, Sin of the sinner, okay? There's a a penalty for that. There's a a price that needs to be paid for holiness sake. 
And it says, Paul, Paul writes about the wrath of God, the wrath of God. And you go, man, God is angry towards the sins of the sinner, okay? And so he, he identifies the sinner as the object of his wrath. And who is the sinner? You and I, you and I. And, and you know, you're kind of a big deal when it comes to sin, as am I. We're the object of his wrath. And so what's so amazing and what should make the world stop and really what should make your world stop is this. That Good Friday is all about him standing in our place, taking the penalty. This is important stuff, but I want you to get this, that like I could do something for you, but I I couldn't. I couldn't pay the penalty for your sin. You know why? Because I have my own sin. And, and so like it's a one-to-one thing where uh, who's going to pay for my sin? I'm going to have to pay for my sin. Who's going to pay for your sin? You're going to have to pay for your sin. The book of Romans tells us that you need to be righteous. And you say, well, how do I be righteous when I'm unrighteous, right? When I am the one that's the sinner, how do I fix it? And the, the answer in the book of Romans is you can't fix it. You can't. And so there's this, because of our sins, we're the object of his wrath. And what happened on Good Friday was this, that Jesus says, I will be the object of the Father's wrath because of sin. I I will take on the sins of Kevin and insert your own name. I, I will, that's what Jesus did. And, 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 this, and you say, well, how can it be a one-to-one thing? He's the one of infinite worth, right? He was the one special son. Uh, John 3.16 makes a distinction that he's just not one of the, the sons. He's the special son. He's a special child. He's the one. He's the one of infinite worth that he might be the one to die for the sins of the world. And so what is Sunday? Sunday is this. Having satisfied the wrath of God, satisfied the wrath of God, the same God who poured out his wrath on him raises his son from the dead. The the picture here is this. It's a picture of acquittal, acquittal. It's a picture of of the idea that the penalty has been paid. The criminal has done his time and then is released having paid the price. And it, the, the picture kind of falls down because Jesus wasn't the criminal. He paid for the criminals, right? He paid for that. And in doing so, there was a resulting righteousness that was given to us. And having done, uh, paid the penalty, satisfied the wrath it's risen from the dead justification that's what that word is justification that you're right with God having been wrong and unrighteous this is what is connected to the resurrection of Jesus Christ I want to tell you the resurrection answers so many important questions the questions that come up in our minds all the time have my debts been paid for? Have my sins been paid for? Yes. Yes. How do you know? Resurrection of Jesus Christ. Death, burial, resurrection. 
Has the wrath of God been satisfied? Yes. Yes. Why? Justification or the the completion of that. Jesus rose from the dead. The Father raised the Son. As you continue to think through, you say, can we trust in Jesus in this life? Some of you are here today and you go, you know, I'm just coming with my, my spouse because she wants me to come or he wants me to come. I, I'm doing this for my mom. Some of you are going to call your mother this afternoon and you're going to say, I went to church this morning because you want to please your mother. And it's good to please your mom. To have a good life, please your mom, okay? Even if she's not around. But I want to tell you, it's more than that. It's more than that. More than that. I, I want to tell you, your, your life should not be trusted to anyone other than Jesus. Anyone other than Jesus. Can we trust in Jesus in this life today and in the death that is to come? Yes. Yes, we can. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You might ask this question, is, is Jesus the forever Savior King? Yes, yes. He's the forever Savior King. You might ask the question in the midst of dark world, you might say, has Jesus won the victory? Yes, he's won the victory. I want to bring up one other thing. One important piece to me this this, uh, year as we celebrate. And if you look back uh, to Matthew chapter uh, 28 verse 6, he, he said something, and I kind of breezed over it on purpose because I wanted to come back to it. In verse 6, it says, He is not here, for he is risen as he said. As he said, or in other translations, just as he said. Just as he said. And, and the angel, what was the angel doing? He was, he was prompting that message. He was causing these ladies and and he could have said it like this, but he, you know, he could have said to the ladies, just as he said, again and again and again. He said he was going to rise from the dead. It, what should have been happening, the guards shouldn't have been watching the tomb. These ladies, the other followers, the disciples, they should have. Where were those disciples? Why didn't they get it? In the midst of being confused by the, the pressing and the grief of the time, they, they missed it. They missed it. And, and I want to say this. I, I want you to get this because I think this is very important. Jesus, what is Christmas? Why do we, what do we celebrate at Christmas? Well, the birth of Christ, right? And many times at Christmas, we can go through the accounts, Book of Matthew, as we're in now, and we can see that. And, and what, do, what do the accounts of the birth of Christ point back to? The prophets in the Old Testament saying what? Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. What, what is the Messiah, by the way? The, the Savior King. The Savior King is coming. And what, did, what happened? Why do we celebrate? Because he came, okay? God foretold in his word that Jesus was coming. You with me? 
Jesus, as he was there, what did he say? I, I want to point to it. Mark chapter 8, verse 31. This is Jesus talking about, Mark's talking about Jesus' teaching, and he says this. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man, referring to himself, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. Okay? What happened? That's what he was, right? They weren't listening to him. They, they rejected him. They kind of followed him around and pointed and tried to create trouble for him, right? They rejected him. And what, so much so that, and be killed, and be killed. Where are we in the story? He was killed. He was killed, which should cause us to think, what's going to happen right after that? Like I said, everyone should have been there. Why? And after three days, rise again. Now, I want, to, I want you to give these ladies as well as uh, the other disciples and the other followers, give them a break. They hadn't seen many resurrections, right? They'd known way more dead people that stayed dead than resurrections. And so they weren't expecting it. They didn't know how that was going to come together. But I want want to point out something that the angel was highlighting, circling, and saying, I I want you to get it, just as he said. Just as he said. He said that he was going to rise again, and guess what he did? He rose from the dead. I want to tell you, we live in a world full of liars. Some some people lie just because they're, you know, used car salesmen, they're trying to sell you something, right? They're uh, I had some people in the first service that just moved up here, and they said they, they live kind of up high, and uh, they were told they were told that when it snows in Bear Valley, oh, it only it, you know, it, by the next day it's gone, it's gone. <laughs> I said you've been lied to, you've been lied to, and I told them the other lie is oh, you don't need air conditioning in Tehachapi. That's the other lie. There's do, so you don't want to admit to it, but you've told some of those lies. Um, I want to tell you, we're in a world full of liars, right? We, we don't know what we're seeing and what we're not seeing. We, we don't know if it's an artificially generated image or whether that person is really saying that. And some of us are so naive, we say, oh, I know this for certain. And you say, why? I saw it on the internet. I read about it. I saw this video on YouTube. It looked real looked real. I want to tell you that uh, the truth of the gospel is this. It's not based upon uh, some generated image or whatever. It's based on eyewitnesses that touched Jesus. Turn to John 14, 1 through 6, and this is where we'll end up our our time here uh, today. Thank you for being here today. John 14, and, and this is where this is all heading, okay? Jesus was foretold his birth as he, he talked about things that he was going to do, and then he died and he rose again. And in John 14, uh, Jesus is teaching, and this is a different teaching than him dying and rising from the dead. He, he, says, uh, he says this, he says, let not your hearts be troubled, Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, if 
I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. Jesus said something there. He said something there. Well, he said a couple of things. But he said, there's mansion, my father's mansion, many rooms. And he says, if I go, and by the way, he went, right? You see his ascension later on and and they have gospel accounts. And you, you realize that he, as he was the resurrected Jesus, after he rose from the dead, he ascended. And, and they knew from this passage, from this teaching, he says, I, I will go. And where I'm going, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And, and, and that's what we know, that that happened already. But he said, there, there, there's a detail after that. And if I go, I go to prepare a place for you. We assume that happened to you. I will come again. I will come again. And I want to tell you that you, because of the resurrection, he's trustworthy. He said that uh, he would die and rise from the dead, and he did. But he also said he was going to leave. He did. And he also said that he's coming again. I want to tell you, uh, we should excitedly and anxiously await that day of Jesus coming. Wait for it. It may seem like maybe the days are boring or getting out of control or whatever, whatever you picture, but I want to say wait for it, wait for it. The conclusion will be far more magnificent than anything you've ever seen. We should uh, wait expectedly with our lives uh, in this confusing and desperate time. We should wait for his coming. And my encouragement to you, my thoughts for you this morning as we conclude, will you build your life and place your hope in anything else? Do you, do you feel like you have another option? Do you feel like there's something else that's more important? Like you're going to get a new iPhone one day and it's really going to change your life. Most of you won't even be able to figure it out. Right? Still busy playing Minesweeper on it, you know? Some of you don't even know what Minesweeper is. No, it's, it's bothersome to me. It's bothersome. I want to tell you all the things that we might put our hope in. I I just want to tell you, um, they're not a better option than Jesus. He stood in your place. He took the penalty. He removed your guilt. He took the penalty of your sins. And he gave you life. Gave you life. Made you right with God. Made you right with God. I want to tell you, uh, if you're not right with God... um, that's the only order of business for today for you. You might be right with God. Come and trust in him. If you want to talk about it, I'd love to talk with you about it. This is the reason we celebrate. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of this time. God, do your work in your church and your people here. I pray for anyone here that doesn't know you, that this would be their day, that they would trust in you. They would not be once half in, half out, but that they would trust in you fully the forgiveness of their sins and that because of the resurrection be awaiting their own resurrection where they'll go to be with you forever. God, thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.